All right, here we are. Figment and Mooney, episode 30. Yes, sir. December 5th, 2020. Well, cheers. Bing. It's like you're, uh, sh- you're showing, you're showing, you're showing mm-hmm. Shug and I'm showing Mike. You gotta, you gotta collect that's them good. all up. That's good. Collect- yeah. That's good synergy. Yep. Uh, yeah, so December 5th, 2020 already. Uh, last week was Thanksgiving, we went through that. Now, uh, we're in December and you know we're rocking and rolling in, in the holidays. Um, if it feels like that, uh, but we were talking about a bunch of stuff in our neck of the woods right now. Uh, cold, rainy, nasty out. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're we're cold. Well, I'm gonna I'm pretending I have like a fireside chat right now. Like I have a little uh, log log cabin and a little fireplace going. We're gonna, we're the U log on channel eleven. On channel eleven. Yeah, and we're gonna um, jump into it. Um, Bunch of things happen this week, but we're gonna um, just uh, talk about some a couple, some a um, lot of nostalgia today, um, and we're also gonna talk about uh, really current stuff that me and Shog uh, have a lot to say about. First off, last week uh, NBC has this new streaming service, Peacock, and they just released a new Save by the Bell, and people are like, oh wow, thirty years. But there's been a lot of incarnations of Saved by the Bell since then, and I'm gonna jump, I'm gonna deep dive into it. And then uh, I guess it was last year, it was probably like a year ago, I guess, where um, HBO had a series that came out, and Show told me to check it out, and um, I watched the whole series one night, and I blasted his uh, Twitter up, his phone up, um, Euphoria, and they just released like a special episode, and it's very unique. And I have a lot to say. I'm sure you have a lot to say about it too. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's sad news. We're gonna talk about fun stuff in wrestling, but also like a lot of sad things that happen. Uh, we're gonna talk about um, uh, Pat Patterson. Uh, he's right hand man of Vince. Um, we're also gonna talk about Beyond the Mat, which is like another documentary where he's heavily involved. He's in it uh, in a lot of crucial scenes. Uh, so we'll jump into that. Uh, maybe we'll talk about a little more current events with wrestling stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening as well. Um, uh, but yeah, but then I think uh, this is gonna be a good episode. And uh, Shug, how you feel about it? Yeah, I'm hype, man. We we've put together. I thought last week was really really fun to do. Like I, I, in this like post, I mean, well for for a majority of the country post um, election world where you know. You, you don't have to talk about Trump every week. It, it, it was kind of like refreshing. And I'm pretty sure like the people listening, I don't know if, um, you know, I, I don't know what the feeling is from our audience, whether they liked it, you know, when every week we harp on something having to do with MAGA people and Trump people and stuff like that. So it was nice to, to, to have like a hearty, discussion about different things last week and to have like uh you know i'm i'm assuming this is going to be a good hearty conversation about you know the, the things we have on the docket today so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited for today's episode all right so here we are 30 feeling old we we i think uh safe to say we both crossed the 30 uh 30 uh 30 line too so mm-hmm. uh we're at 30 now so let's you know, more than like half of a year. So uh, let's make this one good and um, hope you guys enjoy it. All right. So uh, 
you know, me and uh, Shug, we love nostalgia. We watched TV shows growing up, uh, same ones. We have the same, you know, memories of watching like a lot of shows. And uh, one of my favorite old time is Saved by the Bell. Unironically, one of my favorite shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to deep dive into it, but the a new version of it, we'll, we'll just call it the 2020, Saved by the Bell 2020. That premiered on NBC's uh, streaming service, Peacock. And I'm pretty sure this is like their like flagship show to get people to start a, you can download it for free, but I think there's also like in, in purchases. Uh, so, uh, show sure, you didn't watch it, right? No, no, not yet. Or I mean, I don't, I don't know if I will watch it, but I haven't watched it yet. So I watched the pilot and, um, I'll give, I'll let you know, I'll give you my impression of it. And, uh, uh I actually rewatched like a little bit of it before we recorded because it was like a while ago and um but anyway so like say by the bell um i remember being on the air like it was on saturday mornings the, um, the core say by the bell like the we went bayside mm-hmm. like 89 to 93 because i want to be guys there's like guys who used to go to college like the lord of the rings fans they all the lore <laughs> i'm doing say by the bell lore i know like the whole like you know backstories and these the characters but uh yeah so i used to watch it on saturday mornings would be on tmbc Mm-hmm. A lot of other shows came out during that time. It's kind of like their version of TGIF on ABC, uh, Friday nights. So uh, the main one we're talking about is 89 to 93. Um, that's the classic. That was on after school every day for like a decade, decades. You know, like that used to always be on. You remember, you used to watch it after school or like afternoons and stuff, the reruns? Well, like when I was... um younger like in elementary school and middle school like i remember tbs used to show that at like seven o'clock in the morning like seven and seven thirty like it showed two episodes so i'd watch the re you know the, the reruns um before i went to school but i i had been watching it like since i was like a kid like 95 like after it stopped airing and then um i remember because I seen TNBC that you're talking about, like they kept it going on for years. So they had like, um, a matter of fact, when I was talking about like the TBS thing, so what they would do is like Monday through Thursday. Oh, the show. Friday was college years. You jumped, exactly. you jumped the gun. Let's, exactly. Hey, hey, stay on course, man. I got a whole, I got this going on. Yeah, but yeah, um, I talk about a lot of things back then, like before school, the 7 to 7.30, we watched the uh, Save by the Bell and then go to school. But then earlier than that, like they had it on like in the afternoons on TBS as well and like, local channels and stuff. And it was like prime time. It was like that, Growing Pains, all those type of 80s and like early 90s shows. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to move on with it because Save by the Bell, the classic you know, series ended in 93. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even talk about how like, we all know, do we know? We know that there was a show prior. It was on Disney Channel. It was Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Oh, yeah. And they, they repackaged that later on with, like, bookends with, like, Zach, like, when he's, like, 20. He's, like, 20 years old. And he's, like, ah, I remember uh, when I was, like, what, 12? And he's talking about this show that got canceled and they, like, poured it back. So that's already different incarnations of it. Yeah, I was going to talk about that, too. Like, because they would... um they would add those Good Morning Miss Bliss episodes into, like, the reruns and stuff like that. But they never, like, made it. It didn't seem like a – it wasn't, like, a different show. It just seemed like really old 
Saved by the Bell episodes because they mm. still had Zach, Screech, um, Lisa, and Mr. Belding. But they didn't have like uh Jesse and um Kelly and Slater and stuff like that. And I, I just thought it was like, you know, an earlier episode of thing, but they, they really like packaged it as part of like Say by the Bell. Like they would put the intro for Say by the Bell on it. So I just thought it was like old yeah. episodes. And it was kind of weird though. Uh if we always talk about Star Wars, you know, you're you're, you're a big Star Wars fan. Uh mm-hmm. and people talk about like canon like is that canon is that not canon because there's like other star wars stuff that came out that they don't consider a part of like a continuum so you can say like whatever what happened to mikey what happened yeah. to what's her name the other like lisa yeah. they, they bring up like later on that they were friends when they were kids like really little yeah and also like, the confusion for me and then and, you come to find out like it was like bayside was like in um indiana, indiana. yeah and all of a sudden then they they it was in california and i was like the the um the ac- what is the word? Acronism? I don't know. Uh, um, what do you mean? Like the opposite of something? No, it was like the acronism, like um, acronymism. Oh, uh, when acron- it's like ac- like initials? No, no acronym. Oh, ac- I don't know. You have to. I don't even know. So you're you're, you're telling me. I don't even know. No, not acronym. I'm. Uh, oh, oh. Anachronism. Anachronism. That? That's what it was. Like it. What, um. What that means. Like it's like okay. Um. You know, it's it's kind of like a plot hole. Ah. Yeah. So it's like all right. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, say like in okay. Here's here's one. Like you say Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. So. You know, I I talked about it kind of in in um. We got oh. like a, a Godfather three um story thing, and I was gonna talk about I talked about it a little bit where like in the mm-hmm. prequel trilogy, right? You know the prequel trilogy for Star Wars, it was like already written out like the whole mm-hmm. like the he had a nine part story, and you know what we saw was like the middle, and then he decided to come back with the first three stories to kind of you know give background as to how you know everything came to be in the original trilogy and that's how you got the prequel trilogy and what happened was you know he tried to provide a lot of like fan service and fan service is basically just including stuff just to get you know people like oh you know like pops they get them popping exactly um like oh there's um job of the hut at the pod race and and shit like mm. that when it's not really it really has nothing to do with the the main plot of the story so like a like an anachronism mm. would be like dark vader anakin skywalker he created he built c-3po but he didn't recognize C-3PO at any point in the original trilogy. So it's like, did you really know? Like, did he build him? How did he build him and not know him? <laughs> so it'd be the same thing and say about the bell. It's like, oh, like, all right, this is you in middle school, but your your um high school is in California now. And then even if you take it like, oh, Zach moved from indiana to california um between like uh eighth grade and ninth grade 
It's like, all right, so Screech and Lisa move with you? Package deal. And yeah. Kelly, and then they retroactively, or retroactively, retroactively, they change it. Uh, funny you bring up the whole job of the hut thing. First off, he was a man in the original. Mm-hmm. It was a human being. And they did that terrible edit. Honcho, like, like, it's like some use, someone used a mouse to like, pick him up, like the photo, uh, blue screen, a green screen. But uh, Clerks, the animated series, I was a huge fan of that. And they have a scene where like uh, they go to court. And it's a funny reason why they, they're on trial. But like um, Randall uses it just to like call in like witnesses. Mm-hmm. So he brings in all these people. He brings in George Lucas just to like shit on him. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, he's yeah. like, you said that you had this plan for years since the 70s. He's like, yeah, well, actually my long-term goal was to, and then, like he cuts him off. And how come in whatever, whatever. And he like, come, like he just like at the witness stand yelling at him. Yeah, and he's yeah, like, yeah. and then he's like, just know you made this over a weekend on a bender or whatever. You you came up with this stuff on a weekend, whatever, and he starts like crying. Like George Lucas starts crying. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, and like there's like the the mo- inner monologue of like Miss Bliss, but well, you know they repackaged it, and we like the show anyway. It's really you know it's so good. To, it, you can forgive it for some things. Mm-hmm. And then like in the main series too, they have that weird season where uh, Malibu Sands, which is I'm sure you love that, right? Oh, man, love Leah Remney. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stacy Karoski. And then the dad was uh, one of the guys from Lion King, too. So, you know, there's a lot of, they're not just like throwing, you know, characters. They should, you know, there's good actors playing them. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's a weird thing, too, where they kind of like, they didn't know what they were doing with it. I remember reading that, like, they weren't sure where they're going to put it. But if you watch the series, um, there's a weird episode, not a weird episode, but there's an episode where it's the first day of school going into like senior year and like Zach doesn't want to go to school, mm-hmm. you know, because he's like spoiled. And then like uh like Slater shows up with pizza. No, Slater shows up, Screech so shows up. Uh, he's like, yes, and he's like, he's like, you remember that time we went to Malibu? We, hey, remember like two weeks ago we just got back from the Malibu Sands? Oh, I remember that. He's like playing with a football. Yeah. And uh, then Belding shows up with a pizza, and it's just like a good time. But then like they book in that with like this whole thing, and they never bring up her again. Like, and then they- had like like hundred suitor, hundred uh love affairs in like four years. And then they had the um the ones where um I think like they recorded they 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 recorded the graduation mm-hmm. episode which was meant to be the series finale with Kelly and Jesse, but then I I think NBC decided they wanted more episodes, mm-hmm. so they um they had to film like a whole bunch of episodes without them, and then they brought in this chick Tori. And her and Tori, um, I mean, um, her and Zach get together like over this this thing, and they have different stuff that happens in between. But then when they still put out the season, like the final episode was the graduation episode, where like you've seen Tori for Tori for like the last eight weeks, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden like Jesse and Kelly come back to graduate. All because they just decided they wanted more episodes. It was like, all right, it was supposed, you know, like today you see it where like they all like the final season of shows they always like truncated. They make it a short season, mm-hmm. and then but back in back in these days, like you know, they decide they'd be like, all right, like nah, like all right, instead of like the fifteen episodes, we're gonna need like twenty five, and then you got to scramble to shoot you know 10 more episodes to fill in that gap 
and that's what happened. So it's funny when you you watch it back. But I mean, I you know we I mean I don't know Mike if, if you were watching it in real time when you were younger. But the only I only really know it from like the reruns. So whenever you watch the reruns, it doesn't seem like out of order to you. Like like I said, even mm-hmm. those those Good Morning Miss Bliss episodes, it didn't seem out of order. It just seemed like really old episodes and and stuff like that it's only like when you look back on it now you're like why wasn't tori why didn't tori graduate with the rest of them like and why you know well they 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 shunned her they bullied her Mm -hmm. like because they're all these like preppy people they like didn't like acknowledge her like he's like talking about like behind her back like what he did to her um that's 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 a a weird you knew a gritty version of that again and the new one isn't gritty we'll talk about though um, no, I, I I didn't become aware of like when shows were on TV or I just have memories of watching it. And when the DVDs came out in the 2000s, they're in the order that they aired and they're like bizarre. Like it's like the party, the scene where like the, the episode where they drunk drive and then the next episode that aired, they're like younger. It's like they ordered, they just aired it really nilly. They didn't really care. All right. So, uh, we just talked about the graduation episode, um, uh, you know, be, be true to your school. It'll be, it'll be May 22nd, 1993. So it was 40, 89 to 93. That two, seems like a long time. Two, two days before my birthday. Oh, there my you go. Birthday. So now we all know. Um, so, okay. So they obviously air, they filmed these episodes probably like a year earlier because they, they filmed like so many of them. But if you think about it, now I'm like, I'm actually looking at my facts. They, how many episodes do you think they made of like the main Saved by the Bell? The ones that we talk about from 89 to 93, how many episodes? Uh, I don't know. Because, less than you think. Less than you think. Oh, because I was going to say it's probably like one of those, um, like, you know, on Disney Channel, like with Lizzie McGuire and like Even Stevens and the, the other shows they had later on, like they kind of just continued and like, you know, they would set up, they'd be like, this would be season one, season two, but it's, it's like 60 episodes. Yeah, so, so it's kind of like that. It, it's straight up like a normal uh, sitcom, like 20 a year, but it seems like they made so many of them. It was only 86. Mm-hmm. Only 86 so episodes? Yeah. You think, yeah. I would think it'd be more. But think yeah. about like 20, 20, 20, you know. So, all right. So I'm going to jump into this because we're eventually going to get to the 2020 new one. And the little sneak peek I'm saying is that it's very like self uh like ironic and like self-referencing this series, but mm-hmm. it's been 27 years since the this one ended. Mm-hmm. Say by the about the college years. Right. I'm not sure if it was planned, but they jumped right into it. It was like a more mature version of uh, the fans that watched in like high school. They were assuming that they're gonna be in college, mm-hmm. and it was early 90s, so they weren't you know. So this show, college the college years, say by the college years. Great show, underrated. We talked about how it's on Fridays. It was on Fridays instead of the other shows, which was always a, uh, I, I, you know, pre-internet. But, oh, you noticed that. Yeah. So that's only a couple of months. It's, it's one season, and it feels like it's like ironic, not ironic, but like bringing like it, like the show was gone for a while, and like it's a reboot, and like wow, they're bringing it back, but it was just like a like a, a relay race where they handed it off. So this show aired on um, originally aired for six months from September, no, late August to February. Yeah. And it was on Tuesday nights on NBC. And we all uh, know like history about it. Thursday nights was like must see TV. That's what they called it. Yeah. Tuesdays was the number two 
night. So they had a lot of faith in it. But it only lasted six months. And Yeah, you know, I, I think that's why it failed. I think that's why it ended up getting canceled because you, they didn't have instead of it, instead of it like catering to the the audience that Saved by the Bell had, you know, what you said on um, Friday nights. You know, they oh, moved it to two they had it on on Tuesday nights and probably tried to like squeeze it in between like you know, a, you know, like mad about you or some shit. But oh, I actually that Thursday, I, so I'm, check it out. I actually looked it up. So, um it wasn't. It was too close from when the other one ended, and it was like a Saturday morning syndicated almost show where like you watched it when you watched it. Yeah. This was more like week to week to week. They had storylines. It wasn't like say by the bell. Like we all have the characters, and then like every episode, do be the same core like characters, but then there'd be a different situation. This show, like one episode would end with a cliffhanger, and then the next one would begin, and you needed to watch like every episode. Right. So on NBC, yes, it was at yes. 8, eight p.m., and mm-hmm. there was no other show that like could have helped it out no no disrespect to john larroquette but john larroquette show was the, like the main show and um that's uh jennifer anderson's uncle and he's from night court we all know that mm-hmm. and then when right before it got canceled frazier like came over and took the spot so if they waited and had frazier on the same night who knows like, they could have had to keep going uh it went head to head with uh full house great so the people that watch save by the bell you think they're gonna watch they're gonna watch Full House because they're like you know, and there was no DVR back then. Yeah, you, know, and so- you you already had that audience. Um, whenever like, Saved by the Bell's original thing, but you know, like you said, it only lasted for like one season and six months. And it's like looking back on it from like the reruns, I'm thinking like, you know, they did a lot of shit in that in in that time period in that one season because. Um, it started off with like um, like the first episode. It had Essence Atkins was like one of the roommates, along with the 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 blonde girl and the red haired girl. And then the second episode, she left, and then Kelly came back because I guess it they kind of hmm. um test marketed it probably or retooled. Yeah, they was you know you you know you needed one of the girls from the original cast. But um, you know, they, then you had like Kelly and Zach weren't together. Zach was trying to date somebody else, and you know, Kelly was dating other people. And then they, and then you know, like you said, test markets. Maybe they were like, all right, well, Zach and Kelly are supposed to be together. Yeah. So then, you know, they yeah, had but- Kelly dating the the professor. Which yeah, the, the hot prof- that was a theme that you know, that always happened. Like Kelly would all go out with an older guy, and Zach. Yeah. That's the only thing that ever emasculated Zach was an older guy that could you know. Kelly yeah. looking at an older man, Jeff. Um, who else? Somebody else. Too. It was somebody. Guy. It was somebody else. And you know, I'm glad you brought it up because I was gonna get to that too. That it seemed weird that they, you know, Professor Lasky. <laughs> you know Lasky. the name. No, nah, yeah, I, was, I was just you know watching. Damn well. I was just watching the shit. So oh, okay, I, all right, right. So, You're right though. I remember he was a he he was a guy that they kept pushing shows for him too. He was a guy who was like they had vehicles for him. He looked uh, like this. Um, a- Kelly, why don't you come back to my Amy Schumer of his day. Oh, uh, there you go. What's right. but Okay. It, but yeah, <laughs> like, the, the episodes on the original Saved by the Bell that used to piss people off was when they used to have Kelly dating all of these other guys, especially the the older ones. Um, 
they never tested well, and maybe that's why, like, you know, they made her because I think they tried to get her and the professor together, and then that's when like Zach started to like her again, and then it kind of came Zach and the the professor like, you know, fighting over and, and alpha alpha males. Yeah, and, it's a toxic relationship. Let's just say that Kelly and Zach was a very toxic relationship. He was, you know, but then hey. Um, I'm gonna. I don't want to jump jump to the. Yeah, uh, end, say you're gonna... I, they get married, you know, in like a made-for-TV movie that wraps not, everything up. Actually, like I was saying, how they used to have the shows back to back. Um, they'd show one at seven and one at seven thirty. What they would do sometimes after the college um season ended, I mean, after like they ran out of college episodes to show on the reruns, they would show the the Vegas wedding movie um they would split that into like half half hour episodes and show those I think they split it into like four mm-hmm. like three or 2020 four. 2020 probably yeah 20, that's yeah um I can talk about you know colleges all the time and I will I will keep going with it because uh it's it's self-referencing like six months after the show like the original one ended and mm-hmm. we're finally going to get to the the new one but they were trying to do it 30, 27 years later. So my point is, so this is like literally in real life when you graduate high school, you go to college and like, of course, they had these new characters, Bob Golick, Mike Golick's brother. We, you know, he's a 40 Yeah, I was going to get to that. He, he's, he's one a good of character. The, um, one of, he, he was one of the real bright spots. I mean, like, I, I love the, the new year, the, the, um, the, the um, college years. Um, yeah. And Mike Golick, I mean, Bob Golick, and that's the crazy shit I found out in adulthood. Yeah, brother. It's like Mike Golick from Mike and Mike. That that's his brother. They both played in the NFL, but they and a crazy. They don't even look alike. <laughs> yeah, and it, it is weird though because like they'll be not, they'll well, be like when I was big. when I was a kid. Uh, I would watch like during the summer. I would watch like Mike and Mike on ESPN, and then like Save by the Bill would be on like at nine or whatever time it would be. So that's kind of ironic. But uh, yeah, and I used to see like you know Mike Mike and Mike, and I'd see his name Mike Golick. And I'd be like, I wonder if he's related, like if he, like if he's related to um Bob Golick from like this show. Yeah, I'm getting, my, I'm getting my uh, masters or whatever, and he's like, you know, like an old, he's supposed to be like a 49er, but they don't, they don't say what team. Um, so what I wanted to say was that these new characters were were like strong characters, like mm-hmm. the, the actress girl, the new one who was like a feminist. Um, yeah. Bob Golick was like a, he was like insecure. Uh. So I had these couple storylines that I always talked about and how like how grit and dark like kind of like um complicated. They became complicated characters, you know, like weird stuff because there was this episode and I'm just gonna say it, you you've seen it obviously, but when Zach wants to get the ski bunnies, he wants to go on a ski trip mm-hmm. and he needs he needs AC Slater to be his wingman. Yeah. And he's fixated on this. Zach is like he's dead set. We are going to this ski trip. I don't care. And AC Slater meets a girl because he's a bus boy. And yeah. we all know AC Slater was like this big man on campus, like a athlete, star athlete. He doesn't even like make the team because like he's a small fish in a big pond now. So he's like a bu- bus boy and he went like uh there's a woman that he meets and she speaks Spanish to him. And he's like, What? Like he doesn't understand. And she's like, but you're Chicano, right? You, you don't speak Spanish? He's like, yeah. I never really learned. Like, I didn't know. And then he find, he goes to like a Chicano meeting. At, yeah. uh, and then he wants to go to a, a rally. There's like a thing where like, 
it's like a protest, I think, or just like a, a meeting. And Zach's like, all right, we're going to go. I'm going to pick you up. Whatever. And he's like, I can't go. I'm going to a meeting. And then his face that Zach makes, like, he looks so like, well, fuck, man, we're going to, the, we're going to get laid. We're going to go to the ski thing. Yeah. And then he's like, you don't even care about my hair. You don't care who I am. Mm-hmm. And like um, uh, the funniest line ever, I think it's the funniest line in the whole series. Uh, Slater says something like, grow up, man. Or like, you don't understand me. Like, and then he walks away and uh, Zach looks at the camera and he's like, I always thought he's Italian. <laughs> yeah that's like the and then you know it, like it's self-referenced like right away like you know the whole breaking the fourth wall like they used to always do yeah but it's like they never acknowledge ac slater and he's obviously they made that character and then he got mario lopez was uh played the role yeah shout out mario lopez but it's funny because that's another that's, that's another anachronism because in the um and say by the bell like wasn't a reveal that like Zach was like a quarter like Native American and he met this like Native American dude and uh, Native wandering, American dude died. So wandering something. Yeah, so it was kind of like, weird that he didn't, you know, acknowledge his um he did he, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't acknowledge uh Slater acknowledging his heritage when you know he has like a heritage too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes up in the new series. Uh and the other storyline that real quick I want to mention is that Streets like fucks up. Like they're going to like steal like I don't know, nitric oxide. I think that yes, you like, yes, thing from, yes. thing from the thing from Blue Velvet, I think it is. They're gonna to go to a party and like Slater's like, come on, man, we gotta steal it. Because he has keys to the lab because he's like a smart guy. Streets yeah, is like yeah. a nerd, a geek, or whatever, nerd. And they have so like he, a party in the um in yeah. the lecture hall. Yeah, I remember that episode, yeah. And he gets helium instead. Yeah. So like <laughs> so Slater goes, no. So Slater goes, um, Come on, Screech, you're fucking this up. He's like, we're not in high school anymore. I can't, I can't take care of you anymore. And it's like yeah. a real dark moment. Uh, and then, yeah, I was gonna bring up the whole professor. We already got into that. Uh, I mean, it's a shame. Who knows what would happen if it went to like '95, like a year and a half? Who knows what would happen? But mm-hmm. they wrap it up a year later. They made the uh, wedding in Vegas, happy ending, the toxic relationship. They get married. And then they made the new class. We don't have to get into that. But they didn't. Oh, they didn't... I, I kind of wanted to. Did, okay. I, I kind of wanted to real quickly. I only got like one thing to say about it because, you know, me and you, we talk about like um, we we we've said this before that on TNBC, as, as I said earlier, um, mm-hmm. a little while ago that they kind of they kept it going for, I think at least into the mid two thousands. So, mm-hmm. and if it's funny because they made Saved by the Bell the new class, which was basically like the same formula, the same formula, but they kept on changing the cast over and over. Um, and initially they just had like Mr. Belding and a couple of like the, the teachers from the original series. And then in like the second or third season, um, kind of the same thing with the new class when they brought in Kelly. I guess they realized that they needed more of like the original cast, so they brought in Screech to be like the assistant principal. Um, and it's funny as hell because they basically tried to reboot, um, Save by the Bell with like a new cast, but at the same time, all over TMBC, they had all these other shows that were basically. Saved by the Bell knockoffs, but the only one that the, the only one that didn't do well was the one that carried the Saved by the Bell name. Like all these other knockoffs, Hang Time, City Guys, um, mm-hmm. California Dreams. Yeah, we all I watched that too. And I'm gonna say that mm-hmm. we are talking about Saved by the Bell so much 
only because of the uh, uh, the reruns. We weren't aware. We were too young. We weren't even, you know, when it started. Uh, but I have vivid memories of watching like Baywatch, whatever. And then like the commercial was like, Zach's back and Zach's back and he had like long hair and stuff. And it's Mark Paul Glasser. And obviously he's like, I can't, I can't shake this fucking character. And he shows up and it's like 98 or whatever. And, um, and he's like, uh, Zach's back this week. Um, yeah. So yeah. then I, I was in California dreams. So had, that was a, you know, that was like a weird, uh, they were, had a band. It was like a Partridge family type thing. And then I watched City Guys. Uh, I watched that like every week. Um, not the the, full, the basketball show. I wasn't that into. I know that they. It was like City Guys was more like say by the Bell, but it was set in like Chicago or New York or something like that, right? New York, yeah. All right. So um, let's we can fast forward. Um, I'm not going to go right into the 2020 because uh, there was this thing that happened uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, we always talked about, I love the 80s. We talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. They had this show called The Rerun Show, and like they were making fun of it. All they did was just like re uh, shoot an episode, but they like made like funny references in it and like being ironic and being like smarty, like smart, uh, smart asses or whatever. Yeah. And it's lame. Uh, so now we're going to talk about the new one that just aired finally. And I'm going to give a little backstory to it. Um, it's shot single camera, uh, it's like 30 Rock. It's actually written, it was developed by uh, a former. A producer and writer of 30 Rock. Uh, she's in her 30s, so she grew up with it. Uh, Tracy Wigfield, uh, mini project. So she, it's that type of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, a lot of it is like self, you know, they reference everything. Um, and like the first opening shot, it's uh, a TV commercial, like a, a TV spot for uh, Governor Zach Morris. Mm-hmm. And Governor Zach Morris with his wife, uh, Kelly. Um, they're still together, and he uh, he's kind of like a heel. He's a villainous character. He shuts down. I, I don't want to dad, but he shuts down um, underfunded schools. Mm-hmm. So, um, like the main, the new Zach, she has the opportunity to go to Bayside, which is like a, a privileged school. So she's excited about it. So she's Zach. She talks to the camera. That that's like her. That's the character that she has. She's like a Hispanic uh, Latina. Um. So yeah, single shot it reminds me of like Community. You like Community, right? Mm, uh, just, you know uh, it's funny. You I was right after um, Saved by the Bell college years. Like I was watching it on IFC. That's what was showing it, and they oh, showed yeah. Community, and I'm like watching it, and like for I watched like five minutes of it. I was like, people really like this show. I never got into it. Yeah, me, me neither. Someone told me to watch. I thought it was you. Someone told me to watch. I mean, it. like anyway. that Jillian, Jillian Jacobs and um Allison Bree, like they are like two of the finest oh, women I've ever seen in my whole life. And um, you know, I'm a fan of Donald Glover, but it's not um, it's not like the Donald Glover. Um, it's not like Atlanta Donald Glover. It's just like Donald Glover, Derek Comedy. Got his foot in the door. Derek yeah, Comedy, story, if you're yeah. you're familiar with that, his first um, yeah. his his YouTube thing, like he is that type of comedy. But this ain't about mm-hmm. community; it's about say about the bell. So I'm not going to go into it too much. Same formula. Uh, so all right, so I'm gonna start with the new characters first. Um, so I said the 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 main one. She's basically Zach. Uh, she has the opportunity to go to Bayside, and like it's like culture shock. That's like the whole thing, and um. 
the hell's her name? Uh, Daisy. Her name is Daisy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like that's her role in the first episode, at least. Uh, of course, Zach's Zach's kid goes there. His Mac Morris, and he's complete character. Uh, the, the buffoon character. He brings up. Uh, it's exactly like um, the episode of Always Sunny, where Frank like thinks he tries to find a new gang. Remember, he's like, "Hey, how about we put like a." a a ferret in the basement to get rid of the rats. Like he brings up, oh, remember the underage drinking episode? Like he brings up episodes that happened. This character brings up okay. doing like doing shit that Zach did and how like silly it was. It seems very forced, but that's just my opinion. Um, there's a uh, captain of the football team is a woman, a girl. Uh, there's a cheerleader who's like transgender. It's like these type of like, you know, change, like these type of uh, characters. Uh, like, you know, um, what was the other one? So those are the new ones, and uh, Jesse Spano, Elizabeth Berkeley's in it. And she's a counselor, and her son is in it, and he's like a uh, like he did like porn. Like they bring up like he did a porno or something like that, which is weird because he's supposed to be like underage. Yeah. Uh, so she's in it. So Jesse Spano's in it, and she works at the school. The football coach is guess who? Slater. Yeah, and he is insecure. His character is like he's like. Like Mary Lopez, like he put, he's probably really into this character because uh, he's like insecure. Um, he finds his kid who's like, one of the other people that get um, let into the school because of his school closed. Mm-hmm. And Slater is basically like forcing the fact that he needs like a mentor. And the guy's like, I'm fine. Like, I don't need any. What are you talking about? Like, I'm fine. And he's like, No, I, I was an outsider too. You know, and then like uh, he, so, so pulls up. like a like a so they got him like Michael Scott. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He like he like Michael Scott thinks he's like a, a, a entertainer and like a motivational speaker and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so AC Slater like he like pulls up in the cafeteria and does like the whole thing where he sits backwards at the guy the max. Yeah. yeah. And the guy goes, "Whoa, I never seen that. I never seen anyone actually do that before." And like like uh, they did the same joke, but then college years did it like three months. In- after the fact where he goes something about like you're being mexican and he goes thank you finally it's right i am mexican finally i'm like you brought that up in 93 um but it's like you know new audience um zach morris is in he's on he's only in the beginning of the episode um he's really trying to be ironic uh the new bit oh this is kind of funny i'm a big fan of him uh john michael higgins uh best in show Mm -hmm. um yeah so he's in it and his character is that he's like he's like building but he's like a pushover pretty much. Or he's just like, he's kind of like Shit's Creek where um, uh, Eugene Levy's kind of like, what is going on? If you've ever seen that show where he's like, kind of like stating the fact to the audience that this is like crazy. Yeah. yeah. So he, apparently he's like, a, he like went to school with them, which is crazy because he's like in the sixties or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, so basically he's a, he was like, he graduated with the original gang, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Save by the Bell gang. And like, he, no one remembers him. That's like, that's his, Stick so far in the show. That's only one episode. Uh, I just gave you a lot of facts, but um, from what I said, are you interested in seeing it? Uh, I'll give it a shot. I signed up for Peacock. Um, I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna give it a shot. I mean, something came out where they, I guess, they kind of made like um a joke about Selena Gomez, and you know, I got a huge crush on like Selena Gomez. And her like kidney transplant, and they kind of had to cut it out, and they had to give money to um lupus research, and 
you know, we we had a coworker that had lupus, and we we you know it's a it's a um it's a disease that's very um close to us because we know somebody with it and we support her and stuff like that. But I had that's the only thing I'd heard bad about the show. Um, but I'm I'm willing to give it a shot, man. Like I'll keep watching it. Uh. The only thing I'll say is that the humor is, um, yeah, bringing up the fact like, oh, so you're like, you're, you're pretty much just like, hey, fuck me for watching that show for 30 years. I'm an asshole for watching that show for 30 years, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they're doing. Like, they, uh, guess what? They bring up, I'm so excited. They bring up the fact that no one brought up that Slater was Mexican, which they did in the college years. Um, Slater is, he's like, oh my God, the best player is coming. Coming onto the field like uh, to show up for like practice or uh, the train or uh, what do you call it again? I never played uh, sports like that. Uh, Scrimmage? No, no, no. When you like tryout. Oh, tryout. okay, tryout. I almost said audition. No, like tryout. So and then it's her. It's a it's a uh, a girl, and he's like, oh, he's disappointed. But then he goes, okay. So I think now his stories. I mean, him like with her. Um, I forget the other one. I, I watched the end of the episode again today. Um, but it's shot like you know, th- there's opportunities for them to bring in more characters. The humor, so is um, is very popular. Is like Jesse and Slater like are they like romantic interests or they just nah? I think Slater is straight up just like they're like basically saying that he was like you know like hey mama and hey pig the whole thing basically saying that he was like insecure back then too and like you know that's mm-hmm. like and they're just they just work together. Um, Maybe they'll, they might reveal that that he is the father because mm-hmm. he looks exactly like him. But but he's kind of like a, um, the way they describe him. And even if you look up the character in, in like on Wikipedia, it says he's like a like a mama's boy or whatever, or like something like that. They use that word phrase, something that's like one of those archaic terms. Um, but yeah, so like Thirty Rock, she obviously uh, Tracy Wakefield learned under great comedians like tina fey obviously and everyone who worked on 30 rock yeah great mini project superior superior show um very like that show needs to be the one that everybody watch reruns of i I still like make references to 30 rock like all the time but 30 rock is that whole show is like meta yeah it's the first time i dropped the word meta i used to always say it but uh um breaking the fourth wall so obviously working on that show for years they gave the head nod. Um, yeah, she's like, she's in the third. She's like, you know, she grew up on the show. Is that when the show came out? It was probably when she was like, you know, grew up on it. So, yeah, I mean, we'll keep watching. I just thought it was interesting. Like, who who would have thought, you know, keep doing, you know, it's always exciting. It's, it's exciting. I'm yeah, so excited. I, I, I'm I so excited about pop culture. I love talking about pop yeah, culture, man. <laughs> I, I, I should you not. That was, that's, I'm so excited. It's like my favorite episode. Okay, that one, my, that one, and, and the the um the one when they were a band, you know, like yeah. you always you it was always, all a dream. It was all a dream. You always see me um you always see me posting Zach and his 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 um yeah outfit and like you know and he's like he's like worn like, out and he's worn uh, out and he's like he's sick of it and everything. He's just like yeah. I thought we gonna be friends forever, friends forever. Um, and he's like. I am, I, I put out like the me. I made like a meme of it. I was like, when you got like a fire ass, but nobody could see it, but nobody <laughs> <Yeah>. sees it. <laughs> no, they did a Millie Vanilli on them. Uh, underrated episode, and we'll leave it at this. Jesse's 
uh, future uh, stepbrother comes over and he's I'm from New York. How you doing? I'm from New York. Yeah, he's completely like shit. He's like yeah. paranoid. He, like he's like he cha- he 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 changed he changes the whole like dynamic. And like Zach is like not top guy anymore, and he's just like completely like toys with him. And he's like I'm really happy you're in my life. You never see him again. And I the do, Yankee, Yankee hat on. Yeah, that dude was like um, he had a he very like, like punchable face. Like Mike Damone in uh, Fast Times, but he like he he eyes. Lisa and he's like, I'm gonna take you out. Let's go to the and then like Street is like like watching and he's like, Let's go to the movies. Come on. I got my car. And like, he takes the car. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, and, and the never, attic. He's never yeah. And the attic with the twenty one the uh underage drinking episode or whatever. Those are always fun. But uh we always have the originals. You know, this is just another version of it where you see the characters move on. It's a new interpretation of it. Um, new generation. This is like two generations that are below us, pretty much. Like the kids, they never even like probably heard of this stuff. It's like them doing like Gilligan's Island now, and it's like, oh yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's like that crazy. Mm-hmm. I, that's really nuts if I think about that. It's crazy. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's it's like it's as old to kids now as like Gilligan's Island and like Andy Griffith Show and Brady Bunch was to us. It's it's. A matter of fact, even younger because what Brady Bunch was like 1970 and this came out in 1993. Yeah. So. That is crazy. But yeah, check it out. Um, I'm, I'll probably keep watching it. I mean, you know, there's so many shows to watch, but what, what else, you know? Yeah, I'm probably give it a shot. Like, right. I'm a, I, I ordered some some food, so I'm probably watch that on my. I'll watch that after we finish shooting this. This marathon? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I had a show that came out last summer. Um, brand new show. Actually, I got um, introduced to it from, like, you know, when you watch, like, Game of Thrones on or, or anything on HBO. Like, they'll show, like, something previewing, like, the next series, like, right before they show it. And, like, I just remember seeing like Zendaya and you know how it was shot it looked you know her in in like a carnival or something just looking spaced out and just said euphoria and you didn't know shit about what it was about um but you know I I enjoy Zendaya I think she's extremely talented so I was like all right I'm gonna give it a look um and it came on and it like blew like my fucking mind because um it was a show about a teenage actually she was a drug addict and the first episode was her coming out of rehab and kind of like re um immersing herself back into her family back into school um Da, 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 da. And, you know, the first season was great. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, and just recently, like, we were waiting. Like I said, it came out last summer. And then this past summer came around, came and went. You know, obviously, with the pandemic, a lot of these shows um, kind of had to shut down production. So you didn't get a second season on the same timeline as the first season. And it was announced a few weeks ago that they were going to release two episodes 
Um, and it, it's it clear it actually every time you see like a post about it in in the picture, it says this is not season two. So it's like two episodes, um, that kind of like to hold you over till season two comes out. So the first one actually is premiering on TV on December 6th, but the if you have HBO Max, you could actually watch since um December 3rd, you could watch the episode on there. So of course I made it um a thing that I had to watch the episode because I really I'm really like in high anticipation of um the second season because er- it was eight episodes in the first season and all eight of them were just chef's kiss beautiful and um so this episode it involves rue who is played by zendaya and her um her sponsor you know when you go through rehab you come out or you have you know you're you're alcoholic and you're become sober you have a sponsor you know a person you call um to talk to and check in on you just to make sure you're not using and abusing again. And he, his name is Ali, who is played by, um, Coleman Domingo, um, talented actor. And I was, you know, I'm watching it and I, you know, I was hyped for the episode because I'm like, you know, it's not just Rue. Like they did a really good job in giving, um, a lot of development to each and every character. So I was anticipating seeing like all of these people I hadn't seen in basically a year, but I'm watching the episode and like, you know, 10 minutes, you know, it takes place. It starts off in a diner and they're sitting with each other and talking and, you know, 10 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh man, this is gonna be a whole episode that I'm just sitting in this diner, isn't it? And believe you me, it was phenomenal. Um, it's been critically praised. Um, it's gotten a lot of acclaim for both of them, um, Zendaya and Coleman Domingo. Um, and it it, it was beautiful because it was a a conversation I touched on a lot of things. Um. And Mike, you you watched it? Yes, I watched it. And uh, uh, creatively and practically, no, practically, um, it was perfect. One on one, it's twenty twenty. Like you can't have a big set. Obviously, you can't be running around. You can't have a month shoot, months of shooting, picking people up, driving them to locations, just like the everyday uh, non creative version of, just like the production was. Uh, this is two individuals, two characters talking, and it reminded me of a play. Like it was like a one act play, pretty much. Um, and you, the beginning actually starts off. It's uh, Jules and uh, Rude together. Like like they're in their, I guess, par- apartment. Yeah, it was in like, like an bedroom. apartment. It kind of looked like it was like New York in the background. Fairy tale. Reminds me of like a, like an apartment, like the village. It was Flat. very the, rustic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But very also like people who want to run away this is where they dream of being like in a flat somewhere in a city with like their partner or whatever and um so that's like how it starts and um as soon as uh jules leaves um 
the fairy tale is over. And then she goes into, she has her one hitter, you know, and then like, she's like knocking pills and stuff. And then it cuts into a bleak diner. And if you think of a diner, some it's kind of a, it, it, at night too, it could be a dark place where it's like trans, uh, transient people, people that are just coming and going. A diner, you always think of that, like the truckers. Basically, uh, Rue is just like, she's just here for now. Where is she going to be tomorrow? Like, it's like a, that type of a setting that, that I thought of because uh, I, I read a lot of like transgressive books about like people on the road and all that. That's what it felt like. And this is just like this one stop with, you know, this conversation with like her sponsor. And like she's trying to like fool him or uh, persuade him that that she's doing better, and like he sees through it, mm. uh, and it's great. I, well, yeah, when this airs, the show already is already on Max right now, but it's going to be already premiering on HBO. So um, they dive into his life, and he's like stoic. He has all the answers, right? Yeah. Um, he's a mentor, and sometimes those people they need someone too and when he goes outside on the phone that's his most vulnerable side right like mm-hmm. like he's uh trying to talk to i guess he's like was a kid or his family yeah and he kind of shows a lighter side of himself um and again it's i would say it's a one-act play pretty much and i'm not sure did you watch like the um after the credits they have like the yeah, I was going to say, when you talked about COVID, it showed them, like, wearing masks and how, like, small the crew was and and stuff like that. But, yeah, you say one-act play. Like, there was a movie I actually didn't see. I, I, I didn't see, but I've heard of it. Um, My Evening with Andre, with um, mm-hmm. uh, Wallace Shawn. Dinner with Andre. Dinner with Andre, where it's basically just, like, two buddies in a restaurant talking. Mm-hmm. And it was, like... So I assume, like, I haven't seen that movie, but from what I gather, this episode was kind of like that. And, you know, there are a lot of plays where it's, like, a very small cast and, you know, it's kind of just a conversation between two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw, uh, me and my girlfriend saw Betrayal. It's, like, a 70s play. Um, the guy who did uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, did it early on in his career. And I saw it with uh, Charlie Cox and um, who else? But the whole thing was three people and it went on for like three hours. It was like a, a love triangle, but it was like not, they weren't in love anymore. It was like former lovers with like a girl and like them just like knowing each other. And it was just like conversation and you, the story develops with them just talking. And uh, we keep saying it's like a one-on-one you know, one one conversation. And Shug, when you said you first saw it, um, the, the actual series, uh, what's it all about? Like the first thing I saw was like when the, the show her eyes like dilate the Euphoria logo, mm-hmm. and every, there's like how many scenes flip, flying around? Like there's a scene of like it, the first thing they show is a, a carnival because like crazy lights everywhere, strobe lights, people running around, uh, um, just like chaos. This was the opposite. It's like kind of like after the high. You know, you're just in a diner at night after the high. You know, that's why I, I like the diner set. Um, what do you think of the waitress? I thought it was an excellent scene. I, I thought I was probably because I was the only other person besides the two of them that talked. And what she said, you know, I've never been addicted to drugs. I never been to rehab, and I never had to get or tried to get sober from anything. 
but I thought, you know, what she said was, you know, he asked, uh, Ali asked her, he said, how many times, how many years have you been sober? And she said, what, like 20 something years or something like, like that. Like 17, I think. I 17, just watched yeah, it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just watched it. And she was like, when you, and he asked her, he's like, when you initially decided to get sober, were you in a relationship? And she was like, no, because you can't be in a relationship. You can't be in a relationship and have enough energy to give someone one enough energy to give someone and at the same time have enough energy to be sober is going to be too big of a battle and i never i never thought of it that way and um because I, I thought about it i'm like you you know if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're addicted to drugs like you're addicted to drugs and you're addicted to that person and from Rue and Ali's conversation, Rue was addicted to Jules. Yeah, she got, it was another like high, like an experience. And um, so he asked her like, where you, oh, he like, he even know that they were together. And he was like, oh, and then she said she was like sober while they were together. And then she like cheated on, on her mm-hmm. and, um, and they cheated on her and, um, that's why she that, that's the excuse maybe she's using to like relapse uh but before we move on to that the waitress i don't i don't know i only thing i saw about behind the scenes was uh that that scene was supposed to be parts of that were supposed to be in season two like they're going to use elements of that in in the actual season that if, if they when they eventually make it but she seemed like a real person like, i don't think she was an actor like she seemed like like she was talk, like a real person did you get that vibe I felt like she was like kind of uh, like possibly yeah you know what I mean like yeah, like they yeah, yeah. they brought her out but anyway so like that's what another thing I got from her um yeah um that's the last thing I want to say about that 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 and one I, and, I, and, I, scene. and I think possibly to another the beauty of of using a third person because she's not sitting she you know she's sitting there counting her tips and you know we've you know from mm. us working right you know when we're like cleaning. Or we're, you know, I'm counting money or cleaning, and you know, you're not paying attention to anything else. You're not Present. listening to, yeah, you're not listening to the customers. You're not listening if you have other coworkers there that are talking. You're not paying attention. You just focus on your task, right? Mm. So she wasn't paying attention to the conversation, and I think like the fact that he asked her that question, and she was able to respond and give like. Um, coherent, like, yeah, like a response to it. Whereas, like, yeah. if you know Ali had said that to Rue, you know, the whole ep- the whole episode would have seemed as if he was like lecturing her. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, to be a sponsor, like, the first thing you can, the first thing that I, I think they tell you is like not to be a not to be judgmental not to judge because that's the thing that pushes people into the, the relapse and rue kind of like she was she she would give her side of why she felt she had to do the things she did and ali wasn't like telling her like oh you're not supposed to do that like stop doing that that makes it's just like it was kind of like a therapist. It was just like, all right, why did you do that? 
was it you're you know kind of make her think about her actions right it's asking questions and listening not like it's listening and then also like uh asking a question isn't talking to someone you know it's like you're listening still it's just a way to like like me saying like how can you wear that sweatshirt it's me like uh i would say um so you're wearing a yankee sweatshirt what does that mean well i like i like baseball it makes me feel comfortable you don't say like why why are you you know that's the that's the uh the idea of like that type of mentor role mm-hmm. um i also forgot yeah uh, we actually talked about it on one of our episodes about um uh like you can't love someone else unless you love yourself first right. i believe uh joel brought it up and uh one of the episodes so um yeah so that's basically they, they always say that like you can't rebuild yourself if you're like you can't rebuild a relationship and you can't rebuild yourself at the same time mm-hmm. so they touched on that okay so let's talk about like the the show because i wanted to talk about her and jules relationship and i don't think we could do that without talking about like the actual show so mm-hmm. as i stated you know jules was kind of uh, um i mean not kind of jules was a drug addict she became a drug addict she became addicted to drugs because um during her father's um cancer treatments um the more and more like the cancer um started to kill him the less and less like he would take his medicine um and he would spend all his time sleeping and what she would do is when she was at the hospital she would take the the pills that were supposed to be given to her father and that's how she became addicted to drugs and once he died she kind of just you know let go and just went indulged herself in you know self-medicating and she had to go to rehab and her her mother had like a really like tense relationship and then she had a little sister a couple years younger than her so she you know to me it kind of felt like she had like this immense um responsibility to her sister and to her mother um now that their father was gone and the first episode she's coming out of rehab and she's back in school and then you're back in school and obviously like think about when you were in school mike if somebody just disappeared for months and then came back like you know all these people already have like these preconceived notions and they think of you are being like some kind of drug addict and some kind of like liable like um liability to be around so she didn't have friends the only friend she did have was like her kind of um i'll say square which is you know like a person that doesn't like party or you know it seems kind of lame in 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 the in the the sense of um schools and and cliques and stuff like that her friend who was played by um uh, I forgot her name, Maude Apatow, who's Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann's daughter. Um, You might be familiar with her because her and her sister played Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann's daughters in um, Knocked Up and um, This Is 40. Um, But she, she um, that was her friend. And the only links she had to, you know, the other characters, um, 
names are escaping me right now, but uh, Alexi Demi, who's the girlfriend of like the um antagonist football player, um Sydney Sweeney, who's the older sister of um Maude Apatow's character, and she's popular because you know she um a cheerleader and she's hot and stuff like that, and then the um cat who was the um big girl um that so she would interact with them but they weren't really like friends and then um this trans transgender um student who's new to the school comes in um her name is Jules and this is like male to female transgender and her and Jules become I mean, Rue and Jules become friends. And kind of throughout the series or throughout those episodes, you kind of see them like Rue starting to, they they seem romantic. But the thing I noticed, and I don't know if you noticed it too, Mike, it seemed like it was kind of like one-sided. It was kind of like a unrequited type of thing. Like I like her more than she likes me type of thing like did you get that vibe well in what way though in what way though like from whose point of view is the one who didn't want it i think rue was obsessed with um obsessed with jules like jules already but she probably would keep going like she got distracted by rue like rue's the one who like pulled her in right because she was rue has all these things obviously they're, they're they're getting to it where she's getting more and more be described as like boyish or sort of you know what i mean yeah like i I, I, um like in in this i feel like jules just thought they were like you know girlfriends like friends you know like best friends like really really Mm -hmm. close friends but rue looked at them as like lovers and Mm -hmm. you know this episode you know when her and ali were talking you know, cause I, I actually thought about it when I was um. I thought about it when I was like after, um, the show the season ended, and you know, obviously Buzzfeed. I'm reading Buzzfeed, and every time it's always like you know, cause they love like anything LGBT. They got a trumpet, you know. And I'm thinking about it, and then on the same Buzzfeed site. On the same BuzzFeed, I'm seeing all of these, um, oh, most toxic men in movies. Oh, like this, he, this guy is supposed to be like a good guy, but he's really a bad guy. And you know what movie I see often, um, or the per- the character I see often in those is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in 500 Days of Summer. Mm. If right. you if you've seen that, Mike. Yes. I, I I saw that movie at like a critical time. I liked it, and I was like, oh, like I I related to him. But I can understand like if from her point of view, it was unwanted, and he's obsessing over something that isn't as big of a deal. So, yeah, it's all about perspective. Like obviously, maybe Rue saw something more in her. Um, and then there's another thing too with that. Um, there's this there's this thing where uh, a lot of transgenders they don't want to be objectified. They don't want to become like a fetish or whatever. Because mm-hmm. that comes up a lot. So yeah, so that's like another thing that they might be exploring. Yeah, and you yeah. know, I'm I'm just watching it and I'm just like, you know, damn well if Rue were a 
I'm going to use their term, a cisgender man. And Jules was a cisgender woman. And, you know, you did the, everything was the same way. Like, you would say, like, Rue is really, like, obsessive. And, like, she's catching signals that aren't really there. And I actually um, brought it up um one of my comments on BuzzFeed. So it's um 20, this is the, the topic that I, I commented on. 21 of the best romantic TV couple scenes that happened before the characters were together. So this is my comment. This has been on my mind since Euphoria ended last year. I don't consider Rue and Jules a couple, honestly. I feel like they were just really close friends and that Jules was infatuated. I mean, Rue was infatuated with Jules in an unhealthy way. They kissed like once and they never had sex. I know how on this site they like to amplify anything LGBTQ adjacent. Mm But honestly, if Rue were a dude and Jules were a biological female, Rue's behavior would put her on all of those lists on here about toxic men and etc. Any responses? <laughs> oh, well, I got three likes on it. Uh, but you know the the the, the, the thing. But the thing that I wanted to talk about with as far as this episode goes is that, you know, what was on my mind was finally confronted. In that, you know, uh, Ali's character, Ali asked her, he was like, when did y'all ever talk about being together? She's like, well, Mm. but we kissed. And he's like, well, you know, we said I love you. And he was like, I say I love you to my barber. Oh, man, that's what I had written down on my post-it note. That's the line I was like, all right, I had it written down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I, 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 you know, I say I love you to my barber all the time. And she's like, well, you don't make out with your barber. And I'm like, no, but even if we did, that doesn't mean we're in a relationship. Affection so just, does just, not have to do with intimacy. Yeah, and like, at the end of, like, you know, the last thing I want to say about this is that, like, um, or I'm going to respond to what you have to say about it, Mike, but, you know, there's something such as unrequited love. And there's people who are the victim of it. And it's just a matter of perception. Is it the person where you like them? I mean, they like you, but you don't like them in return. But you feel, you know, you're the bad guy because you don't like them back. But at the same time, like the person who likes somebody. Because you can't just unlike somebody just because they don't like you back. It just doesn't work like that. And that's why you get a movie like a 500 Days of Summer. And I'm just like, you know, he had unreal expectations for her. And then she, um, you know, she kind of got, you know, she kind of felt compelled to be with him, even though she didn't feel the same way about him. So it works both ways, but that doesn't necessarily make either one of them bad people. It's only bad if you string somebody along. Right. This is a very organic show. We always, we always, we always, yeah, yeah. we always try um, to be organic. But I do have notes. The first one was I did write, I'd say love to my barber. Uh, we talked about the waitress thing, but there's another thing we forgot to bring up. When does it take place? When does the episode take place? On Christmas Eve. 
Yeah. That's just like a diner. The uh, people that don't have a family, they go to a diner and it's kind of like, it's like a sober version of a bar. The waitress is like a bartender. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we, we bring up how we worked. People come in there and they talk to the, a lot of the females. People talk to me, like they get something like, Hey, like they come there once a day or once a week. We, like, real waitresses and bartenders see like hundreds of people but they have that relationship with you so that's the diner was a perfect um setting for it uh what was the last thing about the uh, oh yeah unhealthy relationships um 500 days of summer it could also be taxi driver travis bickle he had this idea that she wanted to be saved uh jordy foster mm-hmm. and it had nothing to do with it. it was in his head um he thought he had a relationship with um uh, what's your name? Sib- Sybil Shepherd. Yeah. It was in his head. It's all perception. Like it could be in. I could pretend like, oh, I'm running for president, or something not like that. And that's 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 a stupid thing. But um, I could be obsessed about something, and the other person doesn't even think about it. That doesn't mean it's reality. And then, uh, especially when you're messed up, if you're unhealthy in many ways uh, with um, like addiction and everything too, you can't be trusted to think right. So. Yeah, and she... did that actually happen? Sorry, do you think that actually happened with the begin, the first scene with the opening with Jordan? No, 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 that was a fantasy, and it and yeah, another so part, t- another part of it that wasn't, um, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what the waitress um said about how you can't be in a relationship while you're trying to become sober, is that um. After Jules leaves to go to class or whatever, wherever she was going, Rue instantly runs to the bathroom, crushes up some pills and snorts them. So it's like you're like she's a like I said she's addicted to Jules. I'm like you're addicted, and like when she's gone, you got these pills. And then another part of it that that Ali asked her, you know. She relapsed, and he was like, "How did you relapse? Where'd you get the pills from?" And she was like, "Oh, I just had some stashed away just in case." And he's like, "So, do you want to be sober?" And then she's like, "Yeah." And then he was like, "Well, it seems like you didn't want to be sober to begin with, because why would you have pills in case of an emergency? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just in case. Yeah. Uh, backup plan. Backup plan is to get fucked up." Uh, yeah, so it yeah, came but, out. Like, but the I thing is, it, like, to 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 it, be, it was completely different the way they filmed it. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, it was like soft. The first, oh, it was like beautiful, like a fairy tale. But like, if you're truly trying to be sober, um, if you're truly trying to be sober, why would you have? Like, I can't say that I'm like okay. If I'm an alcoholic, right? You know, let's 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 imply that from like my beer reviews. If I'm an alcoholic, right? And I go and I get rehab and I go to AA meetings and I'm trying to be sober, right? Am I truly sober if I have an unopened bottle of Jameson in my room at all times? Like, it's not like a fire extinguisher. It's like, I'm not truly sober yeah. if I know I'm going to need it. If, if In all- case of emergency, yeah, break just- this. And then you take the Jameson. Yeah, you're truly not cured if you believe that there's something out there. And I think, and and that's another thing that, you know, we're going to bring up too. Because he asked, she says she doesn't believe in God. And he tells her, like, listen, you have to, all right, 
even if you don't want to believe in God, you have to believe in something that's greater than you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, um, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, three topics just popped up and what everything you were saying. Uh, I'm gonna go back because you brought it up. I was I was looking for a way to bring it up. So Ali and he's trying to find a way to um, empower his addiction. So he his empowerment is becoming a mentor. So he has power over this thing that is always in his head. So he uses that in a positive way. Um, and then you mentioned about having like a Jameson somewhere stashed away. And I and you and I was like, oh, in case of emergency, break this, you know, then whatever insurance, like oh, just in case. Mm-hmm. I read um, that people um, who like quit smoking, they'll still have like a pack in their bag, and they just keep it there. It's kind of like they have control over it, where it's, it's there, but they're not going to use it. You know, yeah. it, that's the kind of the same idea that you were saying. But if you really have it, does, it still has a power over you if you need it in your bag. So yeah, it's a very, uh, you know, I wish we had something. I wish we had like a like someone that it has the experience of being in that mentor role. Yeah, you know, to tell us more because we're just we're just, you know, yeah. But yeah, definitely a great episode. Um, soon as the um. Oh, you you have more stuff, right? Um, no, I was I was I was like bouncing off what you were saying. Um, yeah, because I don't, I didn't want to cut you. Oh well, cut you short. No, I, I'm I'm bouncing. I'm reacting from you. Uh, because I don't watch the show because you're the one who uh, you know, got me into it. So, um, the Christmas Eve was you know, it came out during um Thanksgiving week. You know, it was like diners that that idea of um. It never came out, but I talked about Thanksgiving movies, about people being on the road or having adopted families that they, you know, so th- their relationship is kind of like a father figure role that she doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's kind of like, it's not like the traditional sense. Um, and I think like uh, it, the way, the, I don't know who, is it, the creator is also the writer, right? Like he, yeah. like he does everything. Yeah, Sam Levinson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, this is an auteur. This is like not someone who just wrote a script and then like a director comes in and all that stuff like that. This is like like all our favorite like auteurs and like uh, you know like uh, Tarantino and all that. Like he has an idea. Or, or, like you know, everything. Everything. It's not just something like fluff. Right. There's like a reason for everything, which is like the best type of uh, storytelling. Uh, what was the other thing that came, that they used? A phone. Like he uses a phone to talk to like I guess his family. Mm-hmm um that's that's um the you know that's distance like you're using something that you can call anyone in the world like it's there's a barrier between you um yeah so there's so many um tropes yeah that was used on the phone call too like he um i think like his one daughter was talking to him but like his other daughter is still mad at the things that he did when he was um when he was high or before he got sober so i think like that in of itself is kind of like a symbol of like you know you gotta take like like being sober and repairing these relationships um after doing so much damage when you're high it's all it's going to be uh uh it's going to be a daily job. Like it doesn't end. There's always going to be somebody that's still like, well, 
he's just one high away from being the same asshole that he was. Yeah. But at the same time, there's still people that will look at you and be like, all right, this guy's making strides, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I could bring it. He's, I could have him back in my life. They touch I on think that. that's what keeps him. It, it's that, that balance that keeps him from um, falling back, you know? Yeah, it's a, uh, you, you need something in your life to keep you humble. I know that's why some people like, uh, not even with like addiction or anything, people like purposely like, you know, they fast because it reminds you that you need to eat. Like you, there's something of higher power. Like you're, you're humble to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he also brought up um, that he like, I think you said you were sober for like, whatever, like 10, 15 years. Well, I had, I had 10, but then, you know, I fucked up and then I had three. And she's like, how did you, after 10 years, like, how'd you, whatever. And then like well, you said, there's always one day you can just fuck up one time and then everything just gets thrown away, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what you're saying. Like, you know, like people, uh, we always talk about duality here too. Like some people have, see the good and other people just see what happened. Yeah. And that keeps you, that's kind of another version. That's a more healthy version of keeping like a pack of cigarettes in your bag. Like, it's not like you can't like fall back on it. Like this is just a thing in your head that you can use. Uh, like I said about empowering bad yeah. things, you know, like empower and make and look forward, which is great. And hopefully, you know, it's only two parts, right? The next one's coming yeah, up. Yeah. So maybe uh, I would call it, yeah, it's like a one shot. Uh, like they would have that in like comics and stuff, but um, I'm sure um, if this was like a season two, this would just be like a scene. Yeah. Know, and it would have, have like other characters. So this could be basically like episode, you know, scene one of episode to one of season two, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. And so, and um, yeah. So the the second one, year, yeah, the second one. I don't know when it's um, I don't know when it's coming out, but um, and we don't know any details about it. So I'm I'm hopeful that a lot of the um characters in the first season, which is you know everybody but two, um we didn't get to see in this first one we get to see at least some of the the other characters but um yeah if you haven't seen it um by the time you you hear this episode like check it out if you got hbo max uh it's a great show man like it it truly was um surprising to me um every episode was really good like i'm I'm, like mike i don't think like it were there were any episodes where i was like all right this one was kind of lame like a filler no filler episode that's Mm -hmm. why it was only eight so there's no filler um you don't need to anymore you don't need to have like 20 weeks of new episodes you watch all at one time pretty much nowadays hbo has been doing this like 30 years where there's been a couple of duds yeah there's some shows that were really good but were canceled because no one watched it but they brought it back like like you know um one show that was really good that no one watched it ended because of non different reasons uh like a me too thing happened and that show was great but then they canceled it um they usually give shows chances and obviously during a time where they're not even filming anything they saw the opportunity to like at least get two hours out because who knows like maybe it'll be another like year so they have faith in it and they gave them the opportunity to, you know, make something new that it's like, now they're just like sending things out on streaming where they already had them filmed. Like they had them filmed for like a year and now they're like, we need content. 
this is obviously made in the last like six months. Yeah. So I think this show will be around for a while. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I've been noticing a lot lately where uh, there's so many things I could, I should be watching or I could be watching, like streaming wise. Uh, but I end up just watching the same things over and over again, like Hulu. Uh, you know, I'll hook you up with Hulu. Uh, and what do I do? I watch Always Sunny, Seinfeld, back and forth. Uh, on Netflix, I watch the same movies over and over again. And one of them is something I've seen probably 50 times in the last 20 years when it came out in October of 1999. It's uh, Beyond the Mat. I bought this. I found this recently at like a flea market. But Beyond the Mat, uh, it came out during the peak attitude era and that and show you started watching wrestling in late 98 you said right or early 99 mm-hmm. yeah we're on survivor series so, so this documentary deadly game this documentary uh was filmed very up blaustein yeah he's the director and uh, if you guys seen it um uh, it's basically him exploring uh which was a perfect opportunity like that timing was great uh of why pro wrestling is so like popular and, and it always has been because um, one of the, the longest running like content on, on TV since like the late 40s, early 50s is news and pro wrestling and then like, you know, sports too. But uh, so in the documentary, they film it. Uh, I think he filmed it in like 96, late 96 to uh, late 97, I think. No, and, it would be 99 because they got, um, oh, it, got Royal Rumble 99 on it. Oh, yeah, you're right with the chair shots. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're, yeah, you're right. So, like, yeah, so he started, he stopped probably in like spring and it came out in October. Um, I saw it in theaters. My mom took me to see it and I was like, um, at the time, I was like, oh, wow, it was amazing and everything. And then um, there was a time where I was kind of like, ah, I kind of like wasn't into it anymore. I thought maybe it was just like shallow or like didn't really have any you know, like great importance in like the history of wrestling and everything. Mm-hmm. But in the last like year or so, I started watching it more often and realizing what a great time capsule it was for that moment in time. Because um, you have like, the old timers and then you have like attitude there, like straight up, like the biggest peak ever. Mm-hmm. Like you see glimpses of Stone Cold, like walk by, then you also have uh, Dennis Stamp, the fame, the infamous trampoline where he's de- jumping on the trampoline. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do tricks. I just jump on mm-hmm. the trampoline. You know that part? So when did you first see it? Oh, like the same thing like you when it came out, you know, I just seen like wrestling, like wrestlers. I saw like Mankind on the cover and like I really wanted to see it. And actually the reason I brought it up to, to Mike today was because um Troll Weathers, you know, I follow on um Twitter. He he talked about how today was like the first time he ever saw it. So, um, and he was talking hey, about it, mm-hmm. it, it basically you're it's it's transcended just someone like me who like is obsessed with wrestling, you know, my whole life. It's it's like mainstream too to watch it, yeah. And um, what it came out in like 90, it had to come out in like 99 or 2000 because I do, I was here in New York when it came out. Um, I told 99, I, I looked it up, okay, yeah, see, so um, you know. This is the attitude era. This is when I'm really into wrestling. And, like, as far as I'm concerned, wrestling was still, like, real to me in um, at least till, like, about, like, 2002. 
So, um, you know, one of the people I commented on Trillweather's original post was like, wow, like, if I would have saw this as a kid, it would have been, like, akin to finding out, like, Santa Claus wasn't real. Because it's really, like, that raw. It's, it shows, like, the back round of wrestling, like, behind the scenes. The Pruder film. Yeah, and um, I actually, the first time I saw it might have been when I was in, like, high school on, like, you know, one of the movie channels. It was randomly on at, like, um, like midnight, and I was just watching it, and it was the first time I see it. And you actually, like, said you just recently rewatched it. I think I got to rewatch it too. It's on, well, hey, it's on Netflix, but it's also on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's like copyright, but whatever. And I didn't even think about this until while I'm saying it now. I keep hyping up my uh, my handle. He's gonna puke. That's from Beyond the Mat, so I owe I owe a lot to that to that film. I didn't even think about it until yeah. now. That that's the how famous how famous infamous is that seed and it's from that movie um i'm trying to think what else the chair shots they show like the you know the um mick foley's kid yeah, watching yeah, him yeah, get yeah, like yeah. like 16 chair shots <laughs> and they didn't even show that anymore they did that on the network they cut they don't even show it it's crazy right they show yeah. that a lot, but they won't, they, won't show, they won't show that and the the um Oh, they they caught it out. I didn't know that. I don't know. Uh, like, 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 let's say I'm about to do this, and then this cuts like me, like everything but the hit. Yeah, I mean, it it was gratuitous, but you know, at the time, yeah. that match was like one of my favorite matches. That I quit match because the the one thing I'd never forget is like, um, Mick Foley is face down on the ground, like passed out. And The Rock, you know, anybody who hasn't, you know, isn't a wrestling um fan sure. that's listening to this, yeah. So, like, an I Quit match is basically the guys, like, beat each other up um to the point that they, you know, you make your opponent quit. Say It has to verbally say, I quit. So, The Rock puts the mic, like, The Rock was, like, the bad guy and, and Mankind was the good guy, um the the face. In, in wrestling terms and the rock was the heel and he put the mic next to him and he's clearly like incapacitated <laughs> yeah. and his head is facing the other way and you just hear like Mick Foley's voice like and it's clearly like piped in into like the arena PA um I quit I quit and it was you know it was revealed on Raw like the next night that like the the corporation who was the faction that the rock was in um made it that like before the match you know mick foley said you won't make me say i quit i will never say i quit and they kind of edited it out they edited it to make it sound like that and then play it over the pa to like cheat to make him win and i was like the you know i like i said it was one of my favorite matches and um Hmm. But the Trill Weathers, his, you know, his the 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 because he retweets like his followers like comments on it and they they're funny in their own right. So they, he talked about like The Rock before the match, like playing with um, uh, Dewey and Noel, and like I think Dewey who who are Mick Mick Foley's kids, um, I think like Dewey didn't want to shake his hand or he was like shy, so they used the um Michael Jordan. I took that personally. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's not 
And it was like, oh, you don't want to shake my hand? All right, I'm going to, like, hit your, your your father over the head with a steel chair, like, 11, um, till his brains are mush. I, I find it upsetting to watch now. I think it's very, like, you know damn well you're going in there to get 20 shirt shots from another mythic character that these kids, you're dead. Like, there's a story about Jake the Snake uh, Roberts, who's also in Beyond the Map. Mm-hmm. He talks about it in the movie, actually, now that I think of it. Um, yeah, uh, in the scene, like, uh, Jake the Snake is like, uh, he's with his stepfather, Grizzly uh, Smith. He's a promoter, and uh, he's with Mula. He's like one of the guys who, who if people have seen Dark Side mm-hmm. of the Ring, like Fabulous Mula, he was like with her. And um, so, like, he had like a, he would wear his cast to keep it kayfabe, like, even in his home. And like on TV, like his opponent, like his like the guy he was feuding with was like, I broke your arm, and next time I see you, I'm gonna break your leg. I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy you. And like he would actually like, stand up, like like he wanted to like, fight this TV. And then the kids were like crying, like don't do it, don't do it. Mm-hmm. What do they always say? Like oh, like your dad or your mom, or they're like Superman, or like they're like the biggest thing. Like you, you don't even think like oh yeah, like, yeah, you know, I'm five years old, and you know yeah, my dad he's like a bullshit uh, liar. He's like whatever, whatever. He thinks it's real. Yeah. These kids were brought to front row seats, um, and he knew that. Uh, and now McFoley's different, but at the time, like he's gonna get twenty chair, chair shots from mm-hmm. another like mythic character, The Rock, who they just saw him backstage talking to him, like he's a real person. He's not a character in the sense because he know they met him backstage. You know, um, you know, you mean your dad gonna have fun? We're we're just pretend. We're just pretending. But the, yeah. you know, like five year olds, that's traumatic. And I brought that up and. Um, I don't know. Like, I think that's that's like you know, he he probably he regrets it. You know, obviously, but I think it's like yeah, I think the rock like, did. Uh, I meant like abuse, childhood. Yeah, God, I'm talking about Mick Foley too. Like, okay, you know, yeah. Rock did what he had to do. Rock had to do what he had to do. But you didn't have to bring your kid there. Um, but yeah, that's another very iconic thing. So as time went on over the last like 20 years, um, there's so many memorable moment, moments in it. Uh, and another one we talk about that he's going to puke part and it's, it's Shane and it's Jim Ross and it's a bunch of Vince McMahon's inner circle. And I'm going to change gears now. And uh, this week, one of like the oh, like, icons it, of pro wrestling passed um, away. Before you get to that, um, oh. you know, beyond the mat, like I said, I watched it later on in life, but another, oh, sorry. when I first got into wrestling, like between 98 and 99, I remember it because I was watching it at my grandma's house on like in her, her bedroom on her TV. Um, it was on like A&E, um, Bret Hart's wrestling with shadows. And I was kind of like the first time, like I was like introduced to like, Oh, like, all right, these guys, you know, this might not be real. Cause I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. And I'm like, I didn't know Bret Hart used to be on WWE because like I got into wrestling like a year after the Montreal school screw job. And then, you know, that whole um, documentary was leading up to the Montreal Screwjob. And, um, but to me, like, Beyond the Mat was, like, raw. Like, the um, wrestling with Shadows, it still kind of, like, kept, it kind of kept the curtains pulled because it, it really did just basically mm-hmm. focus on... Bret Hart, and then at the same time, though, it was interesting because you know Mr. McMahon, the 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 TV character, got um introduced 
because of the screw job, right? So I think that was one of the things I kind of like kept the um the 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 illusion for me in wrestling being real because I'm watching it and Vince McMahon is like the bad guy in there from just him really actually being a bad dude and and screwing Brett at Survivor Series the year before. And then, like, you know, I'm watching wrestling now, and I'm like, oh, like, Vince McMahon's really, like, like that. So, you know, it still kind of kept up, like, the the illusion for me. But, like, Beyond the Mat was, like, like really, really raw. But, Mike? Yeah, yeah. So, Wrestling with Shadows and Beyond the Mat, for the last, like, 20 years, they were always, like, together. Because they would show them sporadically on television. And then uh, now, again, for some reason, they're both on Netflix, and they're, they're both easily accessible on YouTube. And uh, I've jumped into it many times and I have recorded it and edited stuff for my own enjoyment. Uh, and uh, so th- those were always, and they were filmed around the same time, uh, came out around the same time. I think Wrestling with Shadows came out in uh, 99 uh, as well. I saw an interview with him with uh, Howard Stern who was promoting it. And he was already well into his WWE career, like years later. Litigation kept it from coming out. I'm sure this is another reason. Well, uh, this came out right after a lot of things happened. Like Owen Hart just happened. Uh, Draws just happened, which is sad because Draws is in the whole he's going to puke part, which is, which is kind of like regrettable. You know, that's like a, it's a funny scene, but it's also very sad. Mm-hmm. The scene where he says, like, oh, he called his mom. Like that. I'm like, oh, that's really upsetting to me. Uh, but um, yeah, so there's many other things. And you have, you have a whole time capsule of ECW. Um, they have like fan shots of it of people in the crowd. Uh, just it's just a captured moment in time mm-hmm. that uh, you can't because people retroactively go back and then they'll say like, "Oh, this is how it was." Yeah. But they actually filmed it, and they have like uh, everything from um, someone who's just starting out, someone in their prime, like The Rock, and then you have like Jake the Snake who was like pissing in like a, a bottle, like in, in like Nebraska, and he's like probably at his lowest in his life as he was just like a bad dude like his energy was so like mm. evil like if, you, if anyone ever saw twin uh twin peaks there's a kid like he's just like he's just like has that vibe where he's just like energy is like negative but well now he's doing great and yeah i was, I was gonna say positive. too it's um you know we just talked about euphoria and drug addictions and i'll tell you when i first watched beyond the math and for years after that, like Jake the Snake was really in that same mode that he was in in Beyond the Mat. So today, the person that he is and how he, you know, has resurrected his life. Like shout out to to Jake the Snake because watching Beyond the Mat, I didn't even think it was possible that somebody could be that far in rock bottom and like could really like come back. So so like. Shout out to you. Yeah. Like, Regrettable. I don't, I didn't mean to say bad. I, I didn't mean bad in that way. I didn't mean he said he was a bad person. Regrettably. I didn't no, mean no, to say no. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually met, I actually met him. Uh, I have, I got his autograph a couple years ago and he was promoting uh, his one man show. And like, again, we talked about in this episode, uh, empowering your like, demons. So he had a one man show where he would just, instead of like whatever he was doing, like self, you know, self-destructive, he would talk about stories and he made that into something. And now he's on national TV, like, you know, on AEW, but also um, the, another positive de- uh, documentary that came out five years ago. Uh, it was it chronicled the the resurrection. Use the word resurrection of uh, Jake the Snake. DDP, shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I actually I actually did a, a Skype. I was the assist, assistant on a Skype with him, and he's he's really has that energy, like a positive energy. That was great. And so, um, I'm sure it's on iTunes though. But I would recommend anyone because we talked about Euphoria. If anyone has like these like, things going on in their life, watch that, and then you can watch the Jake the Saint DVD. Um, I have it on iTunes still. Um, Scott Hall, another one of my favorites. He's he's involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see people at their lowest, and you see them at their highest. Like, no, no pun intended, but um, yeah. So last time I said beyond the mat, of all like the scenes, uh, the he's gonna puke thing is you know the one I'll end with because it's Vince's inner circle. He has a son Shane, Jim Ross, and all his other uh, stooges. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we look back at the Attitude Era, one of the most famous like, stooges was uh, Pat Patterson, an mm-hmm. icon in the industry. And uh, this week. Uh, he passed away, uh, 1941 to now. So uh, we want to talk about a little about about him too during this. Um, the facts, you know, like uh, we see, you know, he's a French Canadian. He's one of the most like famous French Canadian like pro wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, he openly gay for like 40 years, but I think in 2014 he like he like he did it on WWE programming. Yeah, like it was always tongue in, tongue in cheek prior to that. They would just like make jokes about it, but then he actually like came out and said it and everything. And they made like a thing about it, but uh, <clears throat> it's weird because I was actually like watching some of his stuff like two weeks ago, and uh, not not particularly him, but like he had a tag team partner. Like he started in, in 1958 in uh, the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. and um, basically. Even though he's from Canada, he didn't really work there until later on. He was in uh, Portland, Washington, British Columbia, and then his prime years were in the '60s and '70s. And he was part of like one of the most like, um, like no, maybe you not, maybe you never seen them together like wrestle, but all the elements that they like introduced, everyone else used later on. So like their uh, influence was like felt, no matter what. Mm-hmm. The Blonde Bombers with uh, Ray Stevens, and um, they were together for like 15 years, uh, mostly in uh, San Francisco, like big time wrestling. That was like back in the, cause I, I read a lot about like the, the history of pro wrestling. So that was kind of like a big deal cause it was like LA. So like New York would actually air their stuff. New York city would air like Florida, it'd air LA stuff. So you would see him on TV in New York. And then of, of course, uh, after bouncing around different places, he ended up in uh, WWF and, uh, you know, on and off for 40 years, but pretty much he's been a mainstay, one of the longest running employees. We also yeah. lost to Fink this year, yeah. another long time employee. Um, but yeah, like, um, I'm going to ask you more stuff, but um, I can get into other things too. I will get into other things, but like he had like a long term partner for like 40 years mm-hmm. and everyone, like, it wasn't like a secret, um, which is like, some people like they live that way and they're like uh back then too like they had to like, do it in secret yeah but yeah. people always give him credit like oh like, he's a tough in the most like probably childish and like fraternity um lifestyle oh. of pro wrestling you know what because, I mean? like, yeah a lot of machismo and uh just like um teasing uh bullying yeah and he he wore it as like a badge of honor he empowered like things that you might think um but it, I have, I'm gonna say something else too. But uh, what are your what are your memories 
Yeah, like I was introduced to them um, as being, you know, they were um, introduced. They they used to call them the associates, um, him and Gerald Briscoe, and you know they were basically basically like the like Vince McMahon's goons, and they kind of make them do like comedic stuff and make them look silly, and it's crazy because like you didn't like i didn't know but later on i found out i'm like these like him and gerald briscoe um were like accomplished wrestlers back in their their primes and it were basically like comedic characters and stuff like that and i never um i didn't know like he was gay until i think in my my adult life i found out that he was he was gay um but you know, a lot of the superstars um, credit him with being extremely influential on them and just being like a great guy. And um, one person in particular that I watched their um, tribute to him that, you know, they he did for like a, his Instagram video, um, Kevin Owens, who's like a big guy in wrestling today but you know they were connected in both being from um both being french canadians and he just you know talked about like the type of person that he was where he you know he asked about his kids and his wife and you know people he 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 took it upon himself to say you know people do that all the time but you know there was a genuine um a, a genuine affection and care about you know the wellness of you know not just these guys as like performers but them as people that he had for for the wrestlers yeah another one of the stooges characters was sergeant slaughter yeah and uh there's a famous match um and again if you think about it if he started his career in 58 when he was like 18 and this was like the early 80s so he mm-hmm. was already in his twilight of, and he has this violent street fight with sergeant slaughter in the garden um if you go on Instagram, a lot of people have posted it. Uh, it's like not a dog collar match. It's like a they might have a chain. It's like a chain match, I think, or they're just having a street fight. I forget, but uh, uh, violent blood everywhere. And it was either in Philly or the Garden or something like that. So check it out. And um, also, even though it was like a it was like fictitious, um, he he came out with international. I mean the uh, the, the IC belt. Yeah. He was he's like he's like he was the first uh, IC champion. And there was a joke where, like, you know, if you, uh, me and you talk about films a lot, there's this character, there's this uh, fake pseudonym that they use, Alan Smitty. If a movie is so bad and the director doesn't want any part of it, they it's directed by Alan Smitty. And it's like a running joke. Mm-hmm. So the joke in wrestling is that, oh yeah, where are you winning? Oh, we're, I, he won it in Rio de Janeiro, like it's like Brazil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that's where it was. So he just had the belt because they wanted another belt. Um, yeah, and so, I, that, you know, that was how I like because I remember. I mean, that was actually, to me, as as a fan and a young wrestler, I didn't know shit about, like, wrestling before 1998 other than what I've seen, like, um, casually. But they always used to say, like, like they, you know, what they'd always do, they'd always put them in a match with, like, somebody who, you know, somebody you know that could whoop their ass. Like, they put him in a match against like mankind for like the hardcore championship and it'd be like 
Well, you know, you got to give Pat Patterson a shot. He is the first intercontinental champion, mm-hmm. of course. And, like, like what you mean? Like, intercontinental champion? Like, the the same belt that, like, all of the, like, Jeff Jarrett and, like, Billy Gunn and, like, um, you know, all of these, like, fit, like, badass dudes. Like, he, you, you telling me he was the first, um, Intercontinental champion. It's like you look back on and you you look at his um his old pictures and stuff like that. It's like yeah, like this dude could have been a world champion. Yeah, and uh, he's credited. You know, it's weird because like a lot of these people pass away. Like, wrestling, it's expected. Uh, like I was gonna get a, a, something signed, and then I was like, ah, he'll be around. He's in. You know, then a week later, yeah. he's dead. Yeah. And then this this happened like two months ago with Animal. I was like, oh, the guy was gonna, hey, you know, I I grew up on him. I have a uh, something from, uh, but there he's a credited. Uh, I've been reading about it recently too. Like, uh, oh, he's Vince's like right hand man, like one, like one of his inner circles for the last mm-hmm. like, on and off forty years. He created um, the Royal Rumble. Yeah, he, uh, he, it, it was a battle royal. He always had that, and he was like, well, we'll spread it out, and you know, like yeah, because you know, um, every. Everything- Every single battle royal, and I thought about it from the time I saw his his um, you know, when I found out about his death, I, it actually woke me up because I got the alert and I look at my phone and I'm like, WWE legend Pat Patterson passes away, and I was like, oh fuck, and I, I said it like real loud. I was like, oh shit, but um, you know, and I started thinking about the the Royal Rumble, and I was just like, you know. He, he created it or it was his idea and i'm like every single battle royal i've ever watched in wrestling history is boring to me mm-hmm. you know the andre the giant one the may young one oh i mean not the may young i forgot they changed the name from fabulous moolah um mm-hmm. But any battle royal, 10-man, 20-man, they're all boring. And it was like, this guy said, you know, he said, like, listen, let's have a battle royal. And remember, this was, like, the first two or three were in... 87. Yeah, 87. They they aired it on USA to go head-to-head with uh, NWA Starcade. So they gave it away for free to compete with, which is a big deal because that brings us into the whole Monday Night Wars later on. But the... um. The first couple, um, you know, like now today, um, uh, now today, like if you win the Royal Rumble, you get a shot at the championship at WrestleMania. But back then, like the first two, it was just like, all right, like you win it and you're just like the Royal Rumble winner. And that's like a achievement in 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 of itself. But, you know, he, he. yeah, go ahead, Mike. No, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It was. Uh, I think the first up until when Ric Flair won in '92. I, I keep showing it, but that's my favorite Royal Rumble. But '92 was the first time the winner got the belt. Yeah. And then eventually, it became like if you win it, you go to WrestleMania, and the road to WrestleMania starts. And that wouldn't have happened if that idea didn't come up, uh, which was just like a kind of throwaway thing. But then it just grew. Um, like it was kind of like they had a King of the Ring too for a while, but like. You know, Royal Rumble, you become like the royal, you know, like the winner. Hogan won a couple times. Yeah, and it, it um, was a, it was a big deal. And um, you know, he and it's 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 still the concept is the same. It's a battle royal, but you know, he thought of you know staggered entrances. Um, nobody would know the order. Um, beforehand, 
and you know a lot recently they they have surprise entrance which would be like a legend or they'll debut somebody like a couple years ago they did with AJ Styles but before it really was like you know all these guys and it was a way to get like everybody involved like it was definitely always people it's 30 men so it's a lot of people involved like mid carters or like heavyweight cruiserweight guys that you know have no shot at winning this thing but the fact that you know they got to get in on that tv money or get in on our pay-per-view money you know because otherwise than the royal rumble like they wouldn't they wouldn't be on the card for a pay-per-view so it was like that influential that like you got everybody involved right um other things too like i thought about this today i was like behind the scenes why like you could say as influential as like other people like you know like a hogan He's like the face of it, yeah. And like they wouldn't be where they were without him. But like also, the uh, that fil- like Vince is a filter, but those ideas, uh, like the knowledge, like kept going through the, you know, up until he retired in like the mid two thousands. But then he was still like, you know, he was still around. Like Vince, say what you all about him. Like he always kept people around. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, powerful men. Um, there was like accusations came up. Of course, like that always has with powerful men having the Vince too. Yeah. Um, there's an infamous episode of a, a Phil Donahue episode where like it's like a lot of people are accusing him and stuff like that and uh, it was a very bad time in WF but I mean obviously you know he's, he's, he would be an easy target yeah I figured that was going to be brought up like especially you know back in those days and like you, you said like he kind of wore, he wore he, he wasn't ashamed to say like he was he was gay he wasn't afraid to to live his life open openly uh, out of the closet, and you know it's like you, you and I was gonna be my response to it, or or, or the, the response to those accusations that like he's an easy target because he's gay, and you know if you're you're gay and you're a person um with a lot of pride in it, like of course there's gonna be people that try to discredit you. You know, it's the same way, like, a lot of people, they wouldn't, you know, the same people that are pro, you know, not to get political, but a lot of people that are, like, pro-life, they'll be pro-life, but you'd be like, all right, now, if children live past, if you let, if you force people to have children, right, and you put them off for adoption, adoption, right, um, then a gay couple should be able to adopt and they'll be like no because they're gay so they have to be like mm-hmm. you know sexual deviants and and stuff like that like they create those type of like false narratives and i think that's something i probably now you know i'm neither here nor there and i'm not trying to like you know it may have happened it may have not but I, like that's that's the kind of um that's the kind of view i have on it that perhaps the fact that he's a gay guy um, you know, people would want to make up reasons and ways to discredit him. Yeah, and it's a, a lot of gray stuff too. Um, there, like Cole Cogan even said that, like when he went to New York or he went somewhere um out west, he's the one who picked him up, and he said, "Oh, you have to do this, or uh, you're not going to wrestle tonight." But in that, you when you're, I don't want to speak of the dead, you know, but like when you're in that power, a position of power, um, you know. I don't know. It's just like it's you can't just like it's a lot of grace because I don't know. I just think it's uh needs to be brought up too because you know 
Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the, like the biggest stars in the world, The Rock. You know, he he you know, he always has like a very, you know, he takes the time out when these things happen, somebody close to him, somebody that he knew, you know, they they pass away. He always writes like a lengthy, like heartfelt um tribute to them and he was saying, you know, and it, it was actually one of the stories of um back then. I mean, it was obviously one of them stories that I heard that like he was extremely influential on getting um Dwayne Johnson into WWE because he was the only one that saw his tryout and he called Vince up right after um The Rock, who at this point was you know, went to University of Miami, didn't get picked up in the NFL, played in the CFL. It didn't work out, and he was basically broke. And his only outlet was to join a family business. And he got into the wrestling business and tried out for Pat Patterson. And um, Pat Patterson was like, "Yo, you, you." you he, he told Vince, "Like, you got to get this kid. You got to get this kid in here. We gotta, we gotta get him." And you know, imagine if Pat Patterson you know, said, nah, like, this kid's terrible. Like, he's never going to be a good wrestler, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, The Rock probably becomes, like, a bouncer in Miami for all we know. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But it's just Pat Patterson, you know, putting in that that word for him. The vision. You know, yeah, led him into WWE, led him, and WWE led him into being a movie star and, you know, he's gone on to be probably one of the highest grossing actors in, like, the history of movies now. And what matters most is how the story ends. We all, we just hyped up another individual how to, you know, how the story ends is how things matter. Because, uh, you know, redemption, I always, you know, just, you know, people can say whatever they want, but then how it ends is most important. That's why I always say, because someone can talk about me and things I don't even remember doing or whatever, like, and I, that's not me. You know, I don't remember. Like, you know, things like that. I just think everyone should, uh, the way things end is the way, you know, it should be remembered. Yeah. And w- one last thing, because we talked about, um, you know, Beyond the Mat. And um, we talked a little bit about wrestling with shadows and, like, the the Montreal screw job. And you, you did say, like, he was one of Vince's um, right-hand mm-hmm. men. and But he, he was one of the few people that were very honest with Vince and he would tell him like yo Vince you shouldn't do this and he he would stand his ground and be like this is not how this is not good business blah 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 and it's in every aspect of um or every version of the story that's told by people involved Bret Hart um all of that they always said the one person who wasn't involved in meeting and coming up with the idea for the screw job was Pat Patterson because they knew he was going to be the guy that said, no, I don't want no part of this. Mm -hmm. I'm telling Brett, like he would have put a kibosh on it and Vince knew he would have to listen to him. It was his hometown too. It was his territory too, which is very insulting. Mm -hmm. Imagine them doing that to you in New York. You know, these people coming up there and they're doing something in New York to like someone from New York. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm surprised he like. I guess he's you know that's that's a crazy thing. Um, yeah, Montreal French French Canadian. Um, we you know uh, 
I'm trying to get anything else I could say that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of like hard things too. Like he's like lifelong partner actually died the night of the hell in the cell in 98. And he mm. was still there. Like, I wonder what happened. It's, that's just a weird fact that I looked up and, uh, yeah, I just, that's a little tidbit that, um, I thought it was interesting, but yeah, like, uh, and, but then he came back though, even after that whole screw job thing, he like, he was still part of like the brain trust of uh, Vince. So yeah. forgiving. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. Um, it seemed to happen. It used to happen a lot, uh, back when we were younger that you'd hear like a, someone involved in pro wrestling died and they were really young. Now we're at that point where people are living long lives and you know it's less tragic and then you can always say like oh well they had the best life they possible and that's what we can all hope for final thoughts all right so yeah we talked about a lot of things today um uh, we started about uh we talked about nostalgia with saved by the bell um that was great uh one thing i gotta say is that i have to give the show more some more time um i understand what i get what they're doing it's ironic I don't think I'm the audience maybe for it. Um, it's talking to someone, like the Generation Z probably, or people that don't really care that much about Save Brother Bell, but they're like our age or older. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, I guess I, I committed so much time watching these shows. I care about these characters. I don't want them looking like, you know, just like using it as a vehicle to, I don't know. Well, that's the point of uh, the medium is to new voices. So uh, I'm going to keep going with that. And maybe I'll uh, have a wrap up for the end of the series or the season. Euphoria, another great series that uh, that uh, uh, Shogun introduced me to. We talked about P Valley. Um, that was another one. Um, HBO always comes through. Uh, another show that has a voice and characters that you aren't really used to. You're like it's something new. Like there's always a new character that you. Uh, you can still relate to, even though you, you would think that you didn't like walk in their shoes. You can still relate to them, because at the at the very core of it, we all have, uh, we all have like similar uh, themes in our lives. Like I was saying with the Euphoria, um, it didn't have to be, um, it didn't have to be drugs or it didn't have to be a, like addiction. It could be something that you feel it has a power over you, that's like detrimental, and you can see yourself in Rue's uh, character. It's always fun to talk about pro wrestling. Uh, we started off with a fun part, and then we had to end with, uh, sadly, another tribute. I feel like we do a tribute once a week now, which is uh, sad. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, but but beyond that, it's uh, we talk about comfort TV too, where you just put something on in the background. I watch that just has like a background noise, and like it's, I can I know it by heart. Um, but then also, for thirty years, I've been watching wrestling, and a lot of the things. Uh, a lot of things that I you owe to Pat Patterson, um, and with that alone, you have to pay tribute, and you have to uh, I have to like acknowledge like how a big deal, and and I'm uh I'm not I'm usually uh people I always think I'm positive, but people say I'm like a half glass empty type of guy. But the day when like Vince is gone, I know people shout him all the time, but I'm like that guy's like. Santa Claus to me like it was like all the stuff that like I know he did a lot of crazy things but hey come on we're both uh New York Irish guys come on but uh no I'm I'm trying to be jokey but uh 
you know, it's, it's like people who, like Mickey Mantle died, that they, like my dad was like, oh, they're devastated. Because you grew up on it and then you became an adult, but you still keep that nostalgia in you and that keeps you, keep that, that stays with you. And I'll say with Pat Patterson, he was involved with a lot of the things that uh, I, I, I still cherish, you know, from growing up. Um, but yeah, um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um. Well, say about a bell. Like I'm, a, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a look. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna watch it. Um, and um, with my little like lunch after um we shoot this, after we finish with this, and I'm, you know, I'm the type of person like, you know, I, I just need one episode of a show. Like if I don't like it after the first episode, like I'm not gonna watch like the rest of it. So if the for if this episode that I watch is you know decent and entertains me, like I'll, I'll keep watching it. Um, and I agree with with Mike. It's like you know when they cause cause this is like the trend the the trend now that like a lot of these old stuff they 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 come back they want to reboot it. You know Hollywood has like an originality problem. Um. And they, they, they just go with um, known properties, but when they do become original or they, they, they let original stuff um, come out, you get stuff like Euphoria, um, where it's like, you know, you watch, um, you know, like I said, I watched one episode, great. Second episode, great. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, eight, all of them, great. And, you know, I was anticipating this past summer for, like, a new season to drop, and I hadn't heard shit. I didn't even know if they were filming it. And then I really got this um this pleasant gift, I think, like, the week before Thanksgiving that, you know, they were going to drop these two episodes. And I, 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 can't, I don't know if it slipped my mind, but I, I, I forgot they said the first one was going to air on December 6th. And it kind of, like, snuck up on me. And, you know, I don't know when this next episode is, but this one that they put out last night, if it's even half as good as, you know, this um episode Rue, um, with Rue and, and Ali in this diner, like, um, it's going to be great. And me and Mike will come on and we'll discuss that episode because if it's, you know, if it's two episodes, then we could really, like, take a deep dive because um, we really enjoy the show. And then... Um, you know, wrestling, um, addiction, and and the stuff like that, and just the the background parts of it. You know, when you watch be you know something like Beyond the Mat, and you get to see the behind the scenes of wrestling. Like you know, we even you know you talked about ECW. Like they showed Paul Heyman's house in like a suburb of Philadelphia and basically he was running ECW out of his garage and you actually got to see Oh, it was Hartsdale. Oh, it was Hartsdale? All right. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. I knew it was a suburb yeah, it was of Scarsdale. I know it was a I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's all good. Oh. That's why that's why I get hyped. I get hyped when I see it. I'm like, "All right, local boy done good." Yeah. So, um you know, and it's it's crazy to think of like this this show like you worship every week. Every Friday night, I'm turning on EC- ECW, and you're seeing ECW pay-per-views, and it's like all being done from like this guy's garage, uh, you know. 
I mean, eventually it didn't work out. Like it, it wasn't financially stable and it was eaten up by the giant that is WWE. Um, but you know, it, the 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 stuff you really like that one guy tweeted um in response to Trill Weathers. It was like, yo, if you watch this you know, when you were a kid and you actually thought wrestling was real and you didn't see the behind the scenes part of it, it really might have been like, you know, when you find out like Santa Claus and Tooth Fairy aren't real. Um, but what is, who was real and was like, you know, uh, impactful figure. Um, he was the first intercontinental champion, but he was a champion of a human being and, and, you know, um, being uh openly gay person in a very um macho um toxic environment that was pro wrestling and probably is pro wrestling today because we we talk about recent things um as far as as you know the sexual harassment stuff that came out earlier um this year or towards the end of last year like it's still a really toxic environment like they do their best to try to cover it up and on screen it's a lot more inclusive than it was because now you are seeing like openly gay um wrestlers um male and female you're seeing i i, I didn't even realize like aew has like a transgender um rose yeah, like male, male to female, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, a lot more inclusive now than when um Pat Patterson came into the business. So if it's if it's if it's barely like that in twenty twenty, um what year did he start, Mike? Fifty eight. Exactly. So imagine what that was like in nineteen fifty eight. Um and you know he he created something that every year I don't like. I thought about it when he died. I, I was like, outside of WrestleMania, like the Royal Rumble is probably like the most anticipated event on the WWE calendar, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Um, a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure this upcoming, you know, January January is right around the corner, so I wouldn't be surprised. If the whole event is, um, you know, renamed after him, maybe yeah. renamed after him. Yeah, it could. Yeah, they could definitely be like, this is the Pat Patterson Royal Rumble, like going forward. That would be awesome. Like, I didn't even think about that, but I know the event itself this year. It, it, I, hey, I would assume last year was be... last year was amazing. Did you watch the last year's one? Oh, at, at Minute Maid Park. Yeah, last it was one, Royal awesome. Rumble. Brock Lesnar took out everyone. It was awesome, and it was, was everything awesome. you. Ex- yeah, it was everything awesome. you expected because they they kind of like took the the um, because I like soon as I like I really when they said Brock Lesnar was in the Royal Rumble, you know the first thing you thought is like oh they're just gonna have him win, and he comes in first, or he chose to be first, and he was like all right I'm gonna be first and I'm gonna eliminate everybody, and I'm like the way WWE has been going for the past like. <clears throat> since he's come back 
I wouldn't be surprised if he came in first and just eliminated everybody. I was like, hey, guys, all right, that's the Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar's in the championship. You know, he's in the championship match again. Um, But they, they, you know, he took out, like, the first 15 or 16 guys, including one of his few real-life best friends, Shelton Benjamin, um, and only for him to get eliminated by the eventual winner, Drew McIntyre. But, you know, see us just breaking off and, and going off in the left field and talking about the past Royal Rumble, it just shows you the impact that Pat Patterson has because, you know, these are things long after he's gone, the Royal Rumble, Pat Patterson, the biggest, anytime you see a movie with Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, or if he's just Dwayne Johnson when he's credited, like Pat Patterson, it, it, you, you, he's one of the people I'm pretty sure, and I think he he admitted it in his in his um tribute um this past uh Thursday when he passed um that Pat Patterson if it wasn't for Pat Patterson there would be no Dwayne the Rock Johnson so um we talked a lot about wrestling on here if you're really interested in wrestling um this podcast I just they they they're on YouTube they're on Instagram their name is um Dirty Heels um mike is gonna drop the um link in in the description but shout out to dirty heels if you're listening uh and this has been episode 30 30 we're still going of shug me the mooney shug me the mooney shug me the mooney